You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, dreams from my real father. Life, the Universe, and Everything Else is a program promoting secular humanism and scientific skepticism produced by the Winnipeg Skeptics. You can email your questions, comments, or criticisms to us at podcast at winnipegskeptics.com. Show notes, references, and relevant links can be found at lueepodcast.wordpress.com or at winnipegskeptics.com slash blog. My name is Ashla Noble, and I will be your reluctant host today. <laughs> uh, with me, I have Laura Creek Newman. Hi there. Lauren Bailey. Hi. Jim Newman. Hello. And David Bonwick. Hello. Uh, we watched a truly terrible movie today because Jem asked me last week, what do you want today's show to be about? And I said, I don't know, wedding planning? Because that's the only thing I'm thinking about. (laughs) Uh, Dave and Lauren and I are getting married on July 1st. uh, So we decided to do a movie review because that takes a lot less prep and research. Uh, Jem couldn't help himself. He did a bunch of research and also made a game. (laughs) So that will be on later. (laughs) That's so bad. Uh, But first we're going to start with a news story out of Montreal. Apparently, the city of Montreal has decided to start taxing churches. Quoting from the Montreal Gazette, Representatives from the Exemptions Office have been systematically visiting churches, taking pictures of all the rooms, and making a list of how each space is used. Only those used for public worship, like Bible studies or Sunday school classes, will be exempt, churches were told. Rooms lent out to community groups and activities are not exempt, and churches will be taxed accordingly. So many secularists are celebrating this move. Perhaps unexpectedly, I'm, I feel kind of ambivalent about this. What do you folks think? I'm for it, but it's, yeah. I think it's a step in the right direction. The tax exemptions for the huge amounts of money that churches take in and use for their own benefit rather than for the public good, I think is a loophole that should be closed. It rankles. As we discussed, I think, back on episode 115, uh, in Canada, the advancement of religion is considered a charitable purpose in and of itself and is sufficient to grant tax-free status. Canadian charities are regulated by the Charities Directorate of the CRA, and as we talked about, they use the the common law approach to Mm -hmm. defining a charity, uh, and uh, advancement of religion is, is one of those... One of those boxes they can tick uh, to to be a tax-free organization. I'll give it a little bit more context uh, from the Gazette, quoting again. Generally exempt from municipal tax bills under provincial law, some churches are reporting the city has recently become more strict in its interpretation of the regulations in order to extract tax revenue. The city has responded that it is merely ensuring no one is defrauding the system. Reverend Joël Copieté of the Côte de Neige Presbyterian Church cited a $3,800 tax bill for 2015 for the minister's residence attached to the Chambly Presbyterian Church in Snowden. Manses are generally exempt, but the city's tax exemption office said Chambly was charged because it had been unoccupied for almost a year while a church was waiting for a replacement minister. So uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, manses, sometimes called parsonages, uh, especially in the States, uh, those are uh, residences for clergy folk, 
Um, it, it's my opinion that those should not be tax exempt. I, I don't. They're tax exempt for historical purposes, and I think that that's unreasonable. One of the things that was unclear from this article, uh, and uh, looking around, I couldn't find the answer, is whether synagogues, mosques, and places of worship for other religions are receiving similar treatment. And if not, that's probably legally problematic. <laughs> um, mm. uh, it, it does seem, at least from the articles that I found, that they are targeting Christian churches. And I'm also a little ambivalent about how the city decided to make these changes, just kind of unilaterally without warning. It seems, uh, whether you know, while it's probably legal, it seems um, kind of a jerk move. Okay, so from my perspective, I don't think a church should have tax-exempt charitable status simply by virtue of being a religious institution. But many, most, I'm sure, provide very important charitable functions. Montreal seems interested in taxing those parts of the church that are most involved with charitable functions and least involved... Non-religion-related charitable functions. Right. Like, you know, if you're admitting that advancement of religion or public worship is in itself a charitable purpose. And I think that's the kind of a point of contention within the atheist community. So Mm. a lot of atheists are like, yay, they are taxing these churches. But what they're taxing is they're taxing like the non-church part of the church, Mm -hmm. if you get what I'm saying, which seems kind of like the opposite of what atheists are interested in. They're taxing the community arm of the church. They're taxing the public good part. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that doesn't quite sit very well with me. This is probably just a result of me, like, wanting to be technically correct, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, and I guess I see it more as they can't legally tax the bits that are used for right. worship, mm-hmm. so they're doing whatever they can yeah. to, to get that revenue and, and to close that loophole. So, yeah. I totally see what you're saying, but... It's probably the most legally defensible way to do it. Um, I also don't think that we should be relying on churches for social services yeah. and community organization. Like, I, I wish that there were more secular organizations filling that gap, and, it, like, there are some, but they're few. I wish even more that the government were doing a much better job of uh, filling that gap, which kind of mm-hmm. ties in with the theme of the film today. <laughs> but right now, that's not happening. And so, I, like, I just, I'm worried about what the real effect of this new policy is going to be like i somehow doubt that all of this tax revenue is going to end up funding community organizations addiction yeah. treatment and help for the homeless you know what i mean i think we're right there with you yeah uh, like I, i'm sure that i have different priorities than some members of the atheist community but i personally prioritize social services over taxing churches out of existence i'm just worried about what the actual impact on the community is going to be and the result may end up being churches closing down community services being shuttered and a new H&M moving into that prime downtown real estate, you know? Uh, No, no, it'll be high-priced condos. Yeah. Old churches are, like, prime location for high-priced condos. I want to buy one and just live in it by myself. With my partners. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It it is certainly a revenue opportunity for the city. Uh, I won't disagree there. A lot of these churches are in really expensive areas because they've been they've been there for in Montreal like hundreds of years in a yeah. lot of cases. And with these high tax bills, like I don't know if they're going to be able to stick it out. I guess we'll see. I'm not like I don't know. Like like I said, I find myself very ambivalent. I'm not really for it. I'm not really against it. I got mixed feelings, you guys. I guess I'm also feeling like 
they can probably afford it with all the money that they take in. I don't know. Things, well, yeah, and I that's another thing too. Don't know that for like sure. ch- really churches don't have to open their books the way other yeah, charities yeah. do, right? So mm-hmm. at least I don't believe they do in Canada. In the United States, they certainly don't. Mm-hmm. I don't believe they do in Canada, and uh, so it's hard to say. And also, a lot of the organized religion churches that aren't like our UU church, they don't keep the funds in the parish. It goes up. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's some of it does, yeah, depending on the denomination most of it, and that. Yeah. 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 Another facet of this is that Quebec is rapidly secularizing and has been for decades. And so a lot of these churches at least claim to be hurting. And I I, I don't know, I I feel like believing them. <laughs> yeah. So No like speaking from somebody who grew up in a church and one of the volunteer functions that people do is we do counting the offering, like we'd all take mm-hmm. a turn throughout the year and yeah, and you look at the AGM numbers and they're not they're not make it like money is coming in, but you know even still the mortgage payment is high because it's a large building and there are some the salaries. There's heating. There's power. There's water. There's all those services that even without the taxes they still need to pay for all that stuff. And uh, there are some salaries that need to be paid to the admin staff and the caretaker and you know things like that. And they're not now if we're talking like Church of the Rock or <laughs> like one of the really big kind of mega church type. The prosperity gospel. Yeah, that prosperity gospel. That would be the kind of place where it's like, yeah, they're taking in a lot of money. We're taking in a lot of money. That's a business. No, exactly. (laughs) I'm just, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. So it's, and uh, that's hard because how do you determine which spaces are used just for what in some churches? What if it's like a large open space that can be a congregation room sometimes, but then you rearrange the chairs and now it's a gymnasium or, and then you, you can put up dividing walls and now it's classrooms that can be used for Sunday school or they can be used for community groups and daycare and this and that. So that's kind of, that's a, that's a tough line to draw for a lot of buildings. Well, we'll see (laughs) if this goes any further than Montreal, either with somebody challenging this or it becoming more of the law of the land. I think if it were to spread a lot further, that would cause a lot of problems depending on which laws are on the books where, and that would have to cause a lot more uh, legal reform before they can really do that, because I think there's too many differences that there would be a lot of challenges. Yeah. Yeah. uh, My ideal situation, I guess, would be the government gets better at taking care of people, uh, and uh, then, you know, churches are treated like any other charity. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Talk to your MP. So I was looking for a movie for us to watch today, and the way that I went about doing that is I googled conspiracy theory documentaries, <laughs> and this was the first one that caught my eye, and it's a doozy. Oh boy! Um, it's called Dreams from My Real Father, and uh, oh, you forgot the subtitle. A story of Reds and Deception. See, I never noticed the subtitle, but yeah, the Reds. Reds. <laughs> Red diaper babies. Anyway. Oh, God! <laughs> I'll get into that. So the summary uh, on Google was something like uh, an examination of Barack Obama's real father and his Marxist tendencies. <laughs> and so I took a screen cap and I sent it to our Slack and I was like, so this one... <laughs> <laughs> Jem felt a little dirty finding a copy of it. Uh, I unseated it as soon as uh, <laughs> I didn't want to spread it any further. Yeah, no one else needs to have this. Uh, it was it was pretty bad, and uh, by which I mean I paid for it legally. Yeah, 
I did not pay for this legally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they distributed it free of charge to a bunch of people. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into that. (laughs) Uh, So Jim did some research on the director of this travesty. So maybe he could fill us in on that now. Joel Gilbert spent most of the mid-2000s, it seems, making low-budget documentaries about a future Nobel laureate. I'm not talking about Barack Obama. I'm talking about Bob Dylan. Uh, He's (laughs) the lead singer in a Bob Dylan tribute band. Uh, He also made this film. In 2007, he made a sharp right turn, going from producing uh, Bob Dylan-focused documentaries to uh, producing a film called Farewell Israel, Bush, Iran, and the Revolt of Islam. It's definitely not I'm Not Here. (laughs) Which he followed up in 2010 with Atomic Jihad, Ahmadinejad's coming war for Islamic revival and Obama's politics of defeat. Also in 2010, he turned back to music documentaries briefly, releasing Paul McCartney Really Is Dead, The Last Testament of George Harrison, which I believe our music director, Ian James, ranted about a few years ago. It's amazing. (laughs) Dave and I kept drinking every time we felt bad at what was going on in the screen. I don't think we remember. We had to watch it the next day. Um, And uh, just uh, two years later, he released Elvis Found Alive, which seems to be a ripoff of Bubba Hotep, but with less Bruce Campbell. Also classified as a documentary. Uh, Unfortunately... Classified as. (laughs) Were there mummies? No, I don't believe so. Uh, Unfortunately, this film did not claim that Elvis has been masquerading as a beetle this whole time. It would have tied things together nicely. Seems like a missed opportunity. So later the same year, perhaps worried that people wouldn't take his new conspiracy film about Obama seriously in light of his previous work, he edited the websites and promotional material to reclassify both Paul McCartney Really Is Dead and Elvis Found Alive as mockumentaries. This move, above all else, shows that Joel Gilbert has neither integrity nor the slightest interest in intellectual rigor. Uh, He is a huckster who, frankly, doesn't give a shit about whether what he's saying is true. And this movie shows it. Uh, In 2014, actually, this movie was released in 2012, and Gilbert uh, claims that he mailed more than one million copies of the film to voters in Iowa, Ohio, Nevada, New Hampshire, and Colorado in an attempt to prevent Obama's re-election in 2012. That sounds Uh, like a very expensive endeavor. That does uh, Yeah, actually, and obviously he can't afford it. There was a lawsuit, actually, attempting to determine who was funding that, because Mm, that seems like uh, something that campaign might finance. However, those... uh, lawsuits were not successful. Do we know what caused his Dennis Millerism? I don't know, but uh, like he's still he's still at this, right? In 2014, he made a film called There's No Place Like Utopia, in which he, quote, travels across America confronting progressives and exposing their fantasy. Uh, and then just last year, he released a film titled The Constitution Strikes Back, Episode 8, The Crusade. And I didn't bother to look beyond the title, because seriously, why would I waste my time? But I assume it's endorsing Ted Cruz. Uh. The Crusade. Well, do you think it's endorsing Ted Cruz? Or, or maybe it's against, against Ted him? Cruz. Who knows? Why do people hate him? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I could look it up right now. Do we care? No. No. no he's okay. a Zodiac killer. We don't care. <laughs> Okay, well, why don't we talk about the actual documentary, right? Why? Dave, your opinions. This was absolutely terrible. 
Just uh, right from the blatant hatred of uh, the Reds. Oh, yeah. And like, jazz. Yeah, yeah, and jazz. That was a recurring theme. The Reds and jazz. Jazz, jazz a lot. Yeah, so, like, obviously the, the name of the film, Dreams from My Real Father, is, first of all, implying that Barack Obama is lying about who his father is, and second of all is a play on the title of Obama's first what, book. 95 book, Dreams from My Father. Now, <laughs> in the title... The word real in real father is red, and there's an asterisk that if you look closely is actually a hammer and sickle. Yep. Super um, subtle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's also yeah. A, a pretty great opening note, which is also repeated in the uh, in the credits, which yeah. I will read now. It's uh, a disclaimer. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> yeah. probably a legally mandated disclaimer. It reads, Director's Note. This film's contents are based on actual events, interviews, and archives, as well as recreations of probable events, using reasoned logic... Oh, God, that's something those so-called skeptic YouTubers love talking about. Using reasoned logic, speculation... Speculation? Speculation. And approximated conversations in an attempt to provide a cohesive understanding of Obama's history. Is this the story Barack Obama should have told, revealing his true political foundations and his agenda for fundamentally transforming America? Question mark? No. No. No, no. <laughs> no it is not. I mean, it's, it's not a not headline, but it still uh, conforms to Betteridge's Law. <laughs> yes. Long story short, Obama's father was a dupe that was covering for Frank Marshall Davis. <laughs> Every time Marshall is brought up, my real father. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the narrator says Frank Marshall Davis, comma my real father. In yeah, case in, you forgot, from oh, seconds, yeah. ten seconds previous. The conceit is that Obama is reading this other real book that he should have published. Yeah, so the film is narrated by Obama himself, by which we mean a, a really bad Obama impersonator who only has this one. Idea IMDb credit. So this film claims without evidence, this is made up, but it claims that Obama's real father was poet and noted socialist activist, Frank Marshall Davis. And how do we know this is the case? Well, Frank Marshall Davis happened to know Obama's maternal grandfather, and... I don't know, they throw up pictures of the two and, like, draw ovals on their faces, circling features that look, apparently, that look like each other. It veered really, like, I'd say dangerously close to or over the line. It was over the line. uh, All black people look alike to me. Yeah, Yeah, it really did. Well, and in the beginning, it almost seems like they're not going to present any other evidence. They just sort of go, like, he looks exactly like him. Here are seven pictures that they are similarly posed. And let's go into why that's bad. Yeah. And, I mean, Frank Marshall Davis was an influence on Obama's early years, and that's not a bad thing. Oh, boy. I wish he'd <laughs> yeah. been a bigger influence. <laughs> but it's also no evidence that he is his biological father no. either. <laughs> it makes no sense. And and that was, the, that was the association made. They spoke at this one time because we have a photo of them at this event. I'm sure he spoke to a lot of other people, but you're not making the same claim. <laughs> but aren't all of the influences in your life, Laura, also your biological parents? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the funniest thing to me. Like, the, the fact that it has to be parentage. Like, I'll give this conspiracy one thing. Like, at least it's novel. Like, he's not denying Obama's <laughs> citizenship. He's not claiming he's a secret Muslim or was born in Kenya or oh, anything. No, no. Okay, okay, okay. It does. Okay, it claims he's technically 
only a Muslim because he said like Muslim prayers a couple times, and well, that he makes went you to technically Muslim, Muslim? <laughs> while living in a Muslim majority country. In, yeah, right. So shocking. <laughs> so, uh, what it's claiming is that uh, Obama's fa- real father was American, not Kenyan, but he happened to be an American communist, and who that's, married, that's who not married true. With children. But even if that were true, why would it matter? Like, in what way would it provide evidence that Obama's a socialist just because his alleged father was this socialist activist? Because the well was poisoned. Socialism isn't genetic. Like, Kira thinks that the fellow with the bushy white beard and dark mustache on my t-shirt is a bad guy. So obviously, (laughs) (laughs) anti-capitalism is not genetic. Yeah. (laughs) She likes princesses too much. Oh, that's okay, because this movie had a cartoon fairy... (laughs) Because we were living in fairyland. Right, oh, boy. yeah. The whole Kenyan history was a fairy tale illustrated by a cartoon fairy. They seemed very intent to prove that this story that Obama tells about his father being a goat herder was mm-hmm. fake. And if people knew that his father was not a goat herder, he would not have won the election. <laughs> Which seems like such a stretch to me. <laughs> Well, I, I think I think it goes uh, to the narrative of him like bridging two classes, yeah. you know, rich and poor, and like that. I guess the above politics, they called it right. But it's really funny because the so much of the conservative right is all about the pull up on your bootstraps. I started at yeah. the bottom and made it to the top. So the that is the dream. best story ever for this group. Like goat herder to president. Come on, <laughs> goat herder's son. Right, yeah. that's true. But still, like, Goat Herder 2 made it to America, living the American dream, yada yada. Like, they should be eating that up, not being like, that's not true, we can't trust you. Everything has to be hidden, because, you know, Gramps, his mother's father, Obama's mother's father, was a CIA agent. Right. That's why he worked for the company, company. air quotes. That's why he was in uh, Hawaii. So so, so the, the idea isn't that Obama's maternal grandfather was friends with Davis. It's that he was, like, spying on Davis for the CIA because he wasn't a furniture salesman. He was actually a CIA agent. Again, of which we have no evidence. But again, even if that were true, it wouldn't mean anything. Like, we do know that the CIA did a lot of surveillance on communists and uh, socialists in the United States. And they they spend a lot of time, like, showing McCarthyist footage in a positive light. Like, yes. yeah, get them socialists! Well, they showed both Davis's and his wife's communist cards. Really spelled out the number of their commu- uh, their cards for the Communist Party. So we know exactly what their numbers are. Yeah, they, uh, they, as we alluded to earlier, they called Barack Obama a red diaper baby, which is the term, like, I guess it's like another one of these, it's a spin on anchor baby, where they're American citizens that are raised by commies. There are lots of buzzwords that they repeat over and over again, or not buzzwords, but like, I guess, dog whistle terms. Indoctrination. Right, well, Jazz. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't spit on your drink! <laughs> yeah, they go on and on about how both Davis and Obama's mother, and D- Dunham, listened to jazz. And there was, <laughs> is this the 20s? Like, yes, why are people so mad about jazz? And she was specifically, like, seduced by his knowledge of jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They also uh, call Obama America's first affirmative action president. Oh, there's a lot of affirmative action baloney in there. Yeah. 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 Both Michelle uh, and Obama were affirmative action students and only got into their schools because of affirmative action. Yeah. You know, they don't say it fully, but it's a pretty safe assumption that any person who was not white who succeeded was 
painted that, oh, it was affirmative action. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know, they're not worthy, but whatever. It was really unfortunate. Yeah. The whole thing was just awful. They called Michelle his bitter half. Oh, yeah. yeah. What they did is they took uh, quotations from Davis and then quotations from Michelle Obama, and they showed that th they both used the term bitter this one time, and they were both bitter about America, and they were anti-American. And so they then had the narrator pretending to be Obama claim, yep, I married my dad. <laughs> yeah, like, and then they actually they said that yeah. line. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. They uh, ranted about how uh, Davis, you know, when he was lecturing at university, he would lecture about colonialism and American imperialism. And they hit that over and over and over again about how terrible it is that he lectured about colonialism. Yeah. And I, suddenly I realized, oh, the audience for this film doesn't think that colonialism is bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. A totally different audience. They yeah. think that American imperialism isn't a thing. Well, we really should have been tipped off with the, the use of the word red so frequently because <laughs> there's only a certain demographic that uses that term. <laughs> so it's kind of like, hmm, I don't think they're speaking to us here. <laughs> no, we are not the intended audience. I think we're about 50 years too young and... I think we're indoctrinated. Yeah. Oh, that's the problem. I think we might already be red, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got the Mario hat hanging right there. <laughs> Jim's drinking from a red mug. Yep. Uh-oh. I'm drinking a tea that is called Prince Vladimir. <laughs> and it tastes like a stable. <laughs> it's delicious. There are so many, like, little things in this documentary, in this film, that are, like... So, I don't know. I found them surprising. Like I like how much scorn you managed to fit into the word documentary right there. <laughs> Oh, boy. They they said that um, Obama's mother was, like, really upset about moving to Hawaii because, quote, whites were only a quarter of the population. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it was like, she'd have to leave behind all of her friends and she didn't know anybody, but worse. <laughs> yeah. Whites yes. were only a quarter of the population in Hawaii. Oh, I can see her being upset about moving halfway around the world as she's about to start college with her friends. There's that thing where... Uh, not only did uh, Davis seduce Obama's mother with jazz, he also apparently took nude photos of her, and there are lots of, like... With her Chicago heels. Yeah, there are lots of nude photos that, you know, with black bars on them and like that, and lots of, again, facial comparisons showing, yes, this is Obama's mother posing nude. And first of all, it's, again, unsubstantiated based on, like, oh, I think these two people look kind of similar. But second of all... Who cares? Like, even, like, again, if that were true, that's something that adults are allowed to do, and you you don't need to shame people for engaging in that. But, Jim, there were jazz records in the background of the photos. <laughs> yeah, they did. And Davis Wall is well those. known for his love of jazz, so. And he did write a poem with the name Anne in it, but spelled with an E. Yeah. Right, and but that was his mother. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, Obama's she, does, she did not spell hers with an E. No. They just, like, they, uh, they had uh, footage of Davis reading a bunch of his poetry and then showing pictures of Dunham, implying that he wrote these poems about her. And there's no evidence of that. Like, these are just poems. They're love poems. Generic love poems. <laughs> they didn't set up any way that, besides the fact that Obama's grandfather knew Davis or was, you know, a plant set to watch him, there was no actual contact established between uh, Stanley and Dunham and uh, Davis. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it was just basically, I started seeing this guy, this this guy's daughter, and then we had to hide the pregnancy, and then she went back to Montana? Was it Montana? Washington. She went back. Washington, yeah. Seattle. She, she went back to the mainland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then Obama 
discovers who his real father is and... Um, by going through papers. By right. going through he, papers. At the age of 12, he was rifling through his grandfather's papers and he found his real birth certificate yeah. with father unknown on it. And so he, he finds out that Davis is really his dad, apparently, and uh, then, you know, Davis takes him under his wing, blah, blah, blah. He becomes a socialist Radicalized, radical. yeah. You know the drill. All of the evidence for his radicalization is not radical at all. It's no. like, okay, so it's social socialist-leaning. Yeah. And? <laughs> yeah. Continue, I'm waiting for the evidence. Why is this bad? <laughs> yeah. They have an extended segment where they talk about Obama's uh, work with ACORN to register voters. And one of the things that they kept noting is that the pamphlets for uh, that were in favor of the Motor Voter Act and in favor of registering people to vote. In- incidentally, there's a, there's a really great 99% Invisible uh, episode about the Motor Voter Act mm-hmm. and the, uh, the long boxes. Anyway, I'll look that up. So Obama worked with Acorn, and uh, Acorn was distributing these pamphlets, and the pamphlets for registering people to vote had an X on them. An X, you guys. An X, obviously, for Malcolm X. (laughs) But the X is in a box. Because we all generally vote with hearts. The X is in a box (laughs) on a a pamphlet with a ballot on it. It's it's because voting. That's why the X is there. Jesus Christ. When Jam I was a poll worker, they had, uh, they had X's on all of our sample ballots as well. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's cross-borders. So somehow him being the son of Davis got into his work, as Jem was saying, with Acorn and with getting in touch with Bill Ayers and Ayers and his father you know, taking care of Michelle Obama, something so she would become radicalized and it being like a, a marriage of convenience. Yeah, there's an extended discussion of like all of the voter fraud that Obama and Acorn are responsible for. Apparently only 40% of registrations in this or that election were legitimate. I think they said every cemetery was full of voters. Uh, <laughs> and like, there's no evidence for any of this. Yeah, the, the sample ballot that they put up on the screen had Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and Jive Turkey. Oh god, this movie is so racist, you guys. Acorn was apparently also responsible for getting eight of the 9-11 hijackers registered to vote. (laughs) Because it couldn't just be other people that happened to have their names or something. No, those were the people registered to vote in the United States. And they said something like, Acorn managed to get 150,000 new voters? Like, that was the point. Yeah! (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad for them. They were going on about how he got elected through Chicago politics and... Oh, they showed this, like, super short clip of a guy, like, a a young black man being interviewed on the street saying, with a reporter being like, oh, how'd the voting go? Oh, good, I think I'll come back later. And the reporter was like, uh, you know you can't do that, right? (laughs) And, like, they portrayed it as if that guy was serious. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. quite obvious. Here's the evidence that all of these 150,000 are... We found one guy who joked about voting more than once. (laughs) I want to know how many hours of footage and pictures they went through, because every time they put up a picture of Davis or Obama, they had to put up a superimposed picture of... The, of the, of the other. other one. It, like, tilted at the exact same angle. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, this one time, both of them had their shirts off. <laughs> this one time they were on phones, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they touch their chins. Yeah, they must be related. <laughs> well, Obama did go to Davis's funeral. Yeah, this is true, because they, you know... They knew each other. They knew each other. <laughs> uh, I, I would get that he was a father figure to this child whose father went back to Kenya. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, like, I, like one of the things that I don't understand is why go through all of these hoops to claim that Barack Obama isn't actually the son of Barack Obama? Like, why not just say he was influenced by this guy who, yeah, like, right. knew his family? It would like, be way less far-fetched and ridiculous. Yeah. And you could still make the same points. There's terrible points, but you could make them. Right, yeah, yeah, you don't lose anything by taking out the biological connection there. Because like we all know in this room, we are exactly like our parents. Oh, God. Right? I'm turning into my dad. <laughs> I'm just saying, we all hold exactly the same beliefs and convictions and lifestyle choices as each of our parents here. Yeah, Isn't why, that correct, everybody? That's why I'm Absolutely. a homeopath. <laughs> But it's okay. Obama had his mother's chin. Right, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a before, chin. before his election, he did have a rhinoplasty. Uh, oh, yeah. That like was they, so weird. They, they kept showing all of these pictures showing, like, he looks exactly like Davis. He looks exactly like Davis. And, oh, and as like, he oh, aged, but... the resemblance was only getting stronger, so he had to do something about it. <laughs> yeah, it's how they get around the fact that as he aged, the resemblance was not getting stronger. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, but he, get it, he was getting age spots as he aged, just like... Because he's like, real dad. People who age. Yeah, exactly. And he's got the most stressful job in the world. Yeah. yeah. And they, they showed two like side-by-side -side pictures that were supposed to be before and after the rhinoplasty, and they looked exactly the same. I know. One, uh, the one, that one, had, one, had, one was uh, a light lit from above, yeah. I think. That yeah. Was, yeah. But yeah, they looked, the nose did not look any different. The Obama narrator also admits that he never experienced racism in his childhood, but he made up racist events for his memoir because it would play better with black voters. Why they need something to play well with black voters is unexplained, given the fact that they said that all the votes were fraudulent anyway? <laughs> Don't oh, make it have internal logic. He, oh, he's also, also the first president to have ever exaggerated drug use for political gain. Yeah, they, oh my for gosh. some reason this documentary needed to say, no, he never used drugs. <laughs> I don't know why. But he but jazz bragged about it. <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, yeah, they also claimed that, like, just off off the cuff, they, they just claimed, oh yeah, Obama's also responsible for the financial collapse that happened before yeah. he was elected. They had, like, this rambling explanation about how he had, like, single-handedly brought it about, and then, like, profited from bailing out the car companies. Well, it was because, it's how you turn the country communist without anybody knowing, is you take over the big companies, you take over the banks. Right. That's how it happened. Right, yeah. It was bizarre. So, probably goes without saying for most of our listeners, but Obama is not a socialist. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. you, you look at the Affordable Care Act, and it was a market-based approach to the healthcare crisis that was modeled after a Republican plan passed it, by a Republican governor. It was Romney care. It was supported by think tanks on the economic right. The fact that people can call Obama a socialist without having everyone laugh in their face is kind of unbelievable to me. It, like, it only makes the slightest bit of sense in light of how far to the right we've seen yeah. the Overton window pushed in the last few years. So the Overton window, it's also known as the the window of uh, discourse. Uh, so it is, if you imagine, like, the kinds of ideas that are discussed in public life on a spectrum from right to left or top to bottom or whatever, authoritarian to anti-authoritarian, whatever, uh, whatever spectrum you want, you can imagine the window as being like you have a few sides that people are willing to talk about that constitute acceptable discourse. And then the the radicals on either side are are way out there and nobody will take them seriously. So they're outside of the Overton window. But what is considered acceptable discourse changes over time. So it would be unthinkable, you know, in the 1900s to talk about 
gay marriage in uh, in a lot of places. But that is a perfectly acceptable topic for discussion these days. It's widely accepted. So it's gone from being on the fringes to being well within acceptable discourse. And now polyamorous marriage is the one that's outside of the Overton window and creeping closer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. According to the film, after attempts by the Weather Underground to overthrow the government failed, the Marxists decided that the system needed to be torn down from within, which is what Marxists always do, right, guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, or maybe that was the Alinsky influence. Right, and so uh, they turned Obama into some kind of Manchurian candidate, I guess, to take down the system from the inside. All he wanted to be was mayor of Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> and looking back on Obama's now two terms in office... He did a pretty bad job. Like, <laughs> like I'm not saying he was a terrible president. But you know, he, you was can, no, he was, he was no that. socialist, I guess. <laughs> he did not hate capitalism, as this movie suggests. Right. No. <laughs> Apparently, he ripped off his uh, logo from several different sources oh, yeah, including, that also had... Including the Weather Underground. Yeah, that also had vaguely circular logos, maybe with some wavy lines included. <laughs> and it, it was really funny, like, they did a graphic to transform the one into the other, and they replaced every part several times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is uh, the, the logo of Theseus. <laughs> and the hope and change. Yeah. So, change, they assert, was... Uh, stolen from Saul Alinsky's code word for taking down those who have and replacing them with those who have not. <laughs> no, change just means change. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. And, and the hope came from Jeremiah Wright's sermon, The Audacity of Hope, yeah. which Obama then wrote into a book. Yeah. But they say this as if the phrase hope and change is some sinister code word that has meaning beyond... Uh, what it the surface level to everybody and then they start saying well political advisors said you know don't give any details just just say hope and change and they'll fill in everything else and everybody in the room was like yep that that's true that's how politics <laughs> works yeah, yeah. like i i wish he'd been more specific because then there would have been more stuff we could pin him down on just the the general tone every time they showed anybody who said that something about the system wasn't working about the american way of life they were automatically radical socialists wanting to tear down the American way of life. They refuse to at all acknowledge that you can both like something and want to improve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, any criticism of America is communist. That's commie talk. Like, it was super McCarthyist. We looked at each other and said, at least it's not birtherism. And then they said... The birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of like came full circle into birtherism. Yeah. Birtherism from the other side, because yeah. the Apparently, real birth certificate had father unknown, but it was changed to say uh, Barack Obama yeah. simply so he would have something to, uh, you know, some sort of cred. I was unsure why this was credible. It was trying to tie into the young black men in Chicago that grew up without fathers, so he'd say he too grew up without a father. It was the theory behind that. So the narrator goes on to say how the birthers got it all wrong. They were looking in the wrong place. Yeah, they shouldn't be asking, where's the birth certificate? They should be asking, who's, who's the, the real father? father? No, I am the father. No! Yeah, it was, uh, it was terrible. It was just, just awful. And it wasn't even oh, funny. I want to talk about the Harvard Law Review thing. So the Harvard Law Review editor was normally chosen based only on grades, but this was a race appointment, and so he was basically affirmative actioned into being the Harvard Law Review editor. 
Because he never wrote anything. Yes, and apparently he never published a single thing. Oh, wasn't he only like a C student or something like that? Is that the same part? That's why his school grades are uh, are sealed, so nobody could find out that he's a C student. Yeah, he's a terrible student. Yeah, and then also he needed something published to his name, according to his real father. So he had somebody like ghost write his autobiography. <laughs> apparently Bill Ayers wrote yeah. Dreams for My Father. Which uh, they have a clip of Ayers apparently confirming that or apparently saying, oh yeah, I wrote that. Yeah. I don't know if he's talking about the whole book or some like quotation in the book that <laughs> is referenced. Uh, like it's... Hey Bill knows? Ayers, is this your signature and inscription in the front of this book? Yeah, I wrote that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was just so everything that he did basically was only achieved through either fraud, affirmative action, or some kind of deception. Yeah, which seems to speak to the when you, when you look at I guess the target audience or maybe just the director himself that seems to speak to the way they think about people of color. Yeah, they can't achieve anything just by virtue of being themselves. Well, this is also his first election. They they talk about. His, uh, he was able to, to I guess, sue his uh, op- opponent uh, using his knowledge of how they had gotten so many fraudulent vo- voters previously through his work at Acorn. So he knew how that worked, so he could point out that all that was fraud. Okay. Uh-huh. Great. Apparently, Bill Ayers did say that he wrote Dreams for My Father, and that's something that Trump has been touting around. <laughs> Well, yeah. but we know that Trump hasn't written his books, so... <laughs> yeah, he's kind of... Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's such a Trump thing to do. Like, like whether it's true or not that Bill Ayers uh, was involved in writing it, like, uh, it's so Trump to smear somebody for doing the, the thing that he does all the time. I don't think I have anything else to say about this no. movie. There's not a shred of truth to it, well, there, or the things that are true are so out of context. Well, there is one thing I'd like to make a recommendation for anybody that wants to watch the movie. It is a great play-by-play step of Frank Marshall uh, Davis' uh, life story. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there was a good timeline of stuff he may or may not have accomplished. <laughs> he accomplished a lot. As something we all sort of agreed on at the end was, if this was Obama's real story and real... I guess, arc. We all be fine with that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at it from when this movie was made, coming up to the 2012 uh, election, I'm like, oh man, like that, that paints the Obama's second term with a little bit more hope than, (laughs) (laughs) oh boy, could have accomplished so much with that socialist agenda. (laughs) So much beautiful communism. Yeah. Jem has prepared a game, because as previously stated, he is unable to help himself from putting too much work into this show, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, okay, so we're going to stay on theme with hilarious and not-so-hilarious conspiracy theories. Our game is about Alex Jones. Do we all have to scream? <laughs> so Alex Jones, uh, for those listeners who are not familiar with him... Blissful people. Yeah, is he's the voice of conspiracy in America. He runs the websites Infowars and Prison Planet, and hosts a national radio and streaming show that reportedly draws millions of listeners and viewers daily. The Southern Poverty Law Center has described him as, quote, the most prolific conspiracy theorist in contemporary America, to which Jones replied, quote, I'm proud to be listed as a thought criminal against Big Brother. 
Alex Jones is a proponent of the Pizzagate conspiracy theory. He claims that 9-11, the London bombings, the San Bernardino attack, the Oklahoma City bombing, the Sandy Hook school shooting, and the Boston Marathon bombings were all false flag operations. That is to say, uh, they were government-sponsored attacks, or they were attacks carried out uh, under someone else's flag. Or they were just fake. Yeah, he, he is not consistent in his conspiratorial views. He has claimed that some of these attacks did not happen at all, notably the Sandy Hook uh, massacre. He claimed claimed that uh, no children were killed and that all of those grieving parents are liars. He has gone back and forth on the 2016 Orlando massacre, but apparently he's now settled on blaming both Muslims and the LGBT community, saying wow. that it wouldn't have happened if progressives didn't support Muslim immigration into the United States. He is... <sighs> He's basically a human hate monster powered by pure rage. <laughs> He's what you'd get if you crossed Louis Black with that oil slick that killed Tasha Yar. Dr. Crusher, report. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> But I, uh, I promised a game, didn't I? <laughs> so let's play Jonesin for the Truth. <laughs> so, um, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to describe a conspiracy theory, and you're going to tell me whether Alex Jones has endorsed it, so that's Jones, or whether I made it up. That's fiction. And I'm going to go around the table, and we're going to rotate who answers first. We're going to start with Lauren. So, Conspiracy 1. This ties in with the theme of our film. Sasha and Malia Obama aren't actually President Obama's daughters. Ah, uh, it's a Jones. Jim. Jim. Jones. That was Alex Jones. Do they have uh, a real father? <laughs> yeah. well, pr presumably. I don't think they're like like clones or replicants or anything. You never know. I, I don't know. Are they yeah. wizard people? <laughs> Conspiracy 2. The modern existence of trans people points to the existence of a hidden third gender resulting from alien meddling in our DNA. Starting with Ashlyn. Could be anything. Uh, Jem. Jones. Jones. Jem. It is me. I made that one up. <laughs> Although Jones is really pissed off about trans people, especially he doesn't want them in bathrooms. <laughs> Rowan would really appreciate the theory that he's trans because uh, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry. He can't, he can't go to Alex Jones for that. <laughs> he's got to talk to Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt... I, I, obviously, I had to make, make some of these up, and I felt really bad about everyone. <laughs> like, I need some terrible conspiracy theories. Yep. Uh, okay, conspiracy three. Hurricane Katrina was an opportunity to test out FEMA concentration camps so that they're ready when the government declares martial law. That's why the response was uh, so lackluster. Uh, Jones. 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 Yeah, you all got that one correct. That was Jones. Conspiracy 4. Both Princess Diana and famous gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson were murdered to cover up what they knew about the New World Order. And maybe Antolin Scalia and Prince were too, but he's not as sure about this. Jam. Jones. I have no strong feelings about this one. It's like, eh, whatever. That's a... It feels like a lukewarm conspiracy theory compared to the others. <laughs> Jones. There's just been so many conspiracies about Diana. This sounds like it could be just another one, so I'm just going to go jam. No, oh, it was Jones. Yeah, Jones has like a, a long list of people who were murdered by the New World Order because they knew too much. I don't know why. Like 
prince happened that, to know a lot about the New World funny. Order? That's what, he just he just doesn't seem to fit with everybody else. Like on maybe the list. maybe Hunter S. Thompson was getting too close to the truth or whatever. But never prince. <laughs> he was getting too close to the ether. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy 5. Jim Henson's original vision for Sesame Street was to turn your children into socialists. And probably gay ones. Oh, I want to say Jones, but we haven't had a gem one in a while. He randomizes them. He's tricky. Yeah. I also do not guarantee there's an equal number of each. I want to say Jones. Let's go with Jones. I love this theory. So I'm not sure whether to attribute it to Jem or Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I watched Sesame Street as a child, so... Maybe this one's true. <laughs> an option for true. Gem. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna go gem. Hey, Jones. I'm gonna go gem. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> yeah, I made that one up. Yeah, it seemed a little yeah. too... I, I couldn't find anything that he'd said about Sesame Street. Um, however, I will note that he has said a lot of stuff about a lot of things. So again... It is possible that he that some of these that I made up right. happen to be true. But. Shades of our Jack trick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing that caught me is I don't think that Alex Jones uses the word probably very much. <laughs> he seems very convinced on whatever he's saying, even if he said the exact opposite thing previously. He is fully committed to that yeah. idea. There is no deviation. No weasel words, Jim. Now you know. Well, but there's that whole Prince thing, right? He was like, maybe Prince. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but yeah, I have all, uh, also worded these all differently. I'm not quoting him in any of these. So we're halfway through. Conspiracy six. Atheists are developing a doomsday bomb that will destroy the earth or maybe just America, thus proving to everyone killed that God does not exist. I don't know how he feels about atheists. I guess I I I, I will tell you after this. Was an atheist? <laughs> no. Uh, Jones. Jim. Jones. Jones. And Dave has a solo <laughs> win. I made that one up. Uh, yeah. He actually uh, Jones doesn't think that atheists are real Americans. He also doesn't think that they're real atheists. He has mm. claimed on multiple occasions that they worship Satan. Okay. I love that. That's a better argument. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy seven. The government is developing weather weapons. The 2013 tornado that killed two dozen people in Moore, Oklahoma, is the work of one such weapon. Jones. 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 Sorry, Dave. <laughs> back, back on the bottom. Uh, yeah, that, that is Jones. He also apparently believes that the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and resulting tsunami were man-made. I love the term weather weapon. How does he yeah. feel about Krakatoa? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's impossible should, to say. I should call in and ask. <laughs> okay, conspiracy eight. The government is putting estrogen mimickers in juice boxes and water bottles in an attempt to make men wear women's clothing, turn them gay, and thus depopulate the earth. Laura, you're up first. Oh, God, do I have to? Oh. Jones. Jones. I'm torn between this is another Jones one and this is Jem imitating Jones hating... Any kind of gender nonconformity. Jones. Jones. You're all correct. It is Jones. Excellent. I mean, I'm glad I won. Not that he said that. That's horrendous. <laughs> I just don't think he has grasp enough of how uh, estrogen works. 
and the cancer it would give to the population. Yeah, presumably when he's talking about estrogen mimickers, I think he's talking about BPA or something. I don't know. Conspiracy 9, we're almost done. Fluoride is completely safe, but Evian and Nestle are funding the anti-fluoride disinformation campaign to try to convince you to buy bottled water. Oh, that's that's a twist. That's a gem. (laughs) Wow, really sure. Yep. Oh, that, oh, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) You like it as in you would believe it? No, I just, it sounds, it's such a twist, like, this conspiracy theory is totally wrong, but I have a better one. <laughs> yeah. Gem. Jones. Gem. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. I really like that All one. My favorite ones are gems. It's, it's really good. I, I like it. It's just, it's yeah. too far from, I don't think Jones would jump on the anything is actually safe bandwagon. <laughs> no. he, yeah. He's very much on the anti-fluoride bandwagon. Okay, and the last one, Conspiracy 10. Carrie Fisher was killed, presumably by Disney, to boost Star Wars ticket sales. Oh, Jones. Gem. Jones. I don't know. I don't know. This is the only one I'm not like about. Jim. That was Jones. He released that video on the day she died. Uh, wow. Classy guy. Yeah, yeah. Really sensitive. Oh, so Ashlyn has eight points. Ooh. I did good. You did. Lauren has seven points. Laura also has seven points. And Dave has three points. Woo-hoo. So congratulations, Ashlyn. I don't Getting one right that long got wrong. Yeah. Yay, me. Or the last one. Yeah. Yeah, the last one. All right. Congrats, honey. <laughs> you know the the mind of Alex Jones the best of all of us. <laughs> oh. Nobody or, wants or that I honor. know Jem's mind better. <laughs> so, uh, something that often gets asked about Alex Jones is does he really believe what he says? Until uh, very recently, actually, not currently. He was until very recently involved in a custody dispute with his ex wife, who claims that, among other things, his radio show demonstrates that he's dangerously unstable. His lawyer countered that Jones is simply a, quote, performance artist who is, quote, playing a character, just like Stephen Colbert. Jones, of course, immediately denied this, telling the court that his show was, quote, the most bonafide, hardcore, real McCoy thing there is, and everyone knows it. (laughs) His ex-wife was subsequently awarded custody of their children. Uh huh. As we talked about on our Trump show, ultimately it doesn't matter what Alex Jones believes uh, in his secret heart of hearts. He happily promotes dangerous conspiracy theories, and his work has been repeatedly praised by the President of the United States of America. His InfoWars website was even granted an official, if temporary, White House press pass, which oh, uh, which yep. would have been unbelievable had you told it to me ten months ago. Uh, but this is the world we live in, so we need to be skeptical. Well, that's kind of a downer. So we watched a terrible movie and played a game about terrible things. Uh, what are we talking about next month, Jim? Ah, we are talking about UFOs. Yay! I have a local one I want to talk about. <laughs> Are we bringing in Von Daniken? I do want to talk about a couple of the claims that he made in his book that I couldn't get to in my, like, hour-long segment last time. Okay, no rehashing. (laughs) Very minimal, Jem. We're going to put a timer on you. Well, thanks for joining me, everyone. Have a good night, everyone. Night. Good night. Good night. 
You've been listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. If you have any questions or comments, or you'd like to suggest a topic for the show, send us an email at podcast at winnipegskeptics.com. If you want to show your support, give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, follow us on Twitter or Facebook, or just share the show with a friend. Our music is produced by the very talented Ian James, and this episode was edited by Lauren Bailey. Called the show today. We listen to today. We watch a terrible movie. (laughs) (laughs) Today we watched Dreams from My Real Father. Uh, I don't know. Today we watched a conspiracy film. Today we watched a documentary that was not a documentary. Today we watched. Shut up. The advancement of religion is considered a charitable purpose in and of itself. A charitable porpoise. A charitable porpoise. (laughs) I would love to meet a charitable porpoise. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Oh god, porpoises are terrible. Always go with force choking. They can't prove it's you. So Joel Gilbert, uh, who's the writer, director, producer of this film. Caterer? <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Um, that's an inside joke that nobody's going to get. Uh, <laughs> While the plane goes over, I do think uh, it's pretty funny how when we were first starting the podcast, uh, we did that episode on polyamory. And I told Dave that I was going to record an episode on polyamory, and he was like, don't mention me on the radio. (laughs) I was very clear about that. And now we're all, we're getting married! (laughs) And Dave's here with us! (laughs) Jem's doing the ceremony! (laughs) I just like the contrast there. Jones or fiction? I'm so bad at coming up with these names. I'm Jonesin for the truth. <laughs> Jonesin for the truth. That's a. That's a. It's a good. Uh, Why do we let these two in the same room? I don't it's know. A good name. Our Slack chats are awful. They're just the worst. I love you. No, you don't. If you did, you'd stop. That's not true. But you guys need to stop being so punny everywhere. It's awful. Continue.